What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this latest episode of It's Your World Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Brown, a.k.a. Dane Allen, a.k.a. Uptown Jordan Brown, a.k.a. Big Buckets Brown. And as I start off every show, how are you? You good? Me too, man. I'm making it. I'm making it. I want to first start off and say thank you for everyone that checked out last week's episode. I kind of did that out of the blue. Um, it was one of the things where I kind of I wanted to create a different environment. I wish actually I wish I would have been getting my haircut because that would have been dope as hell to bring you guys into the barbershop to hear the type of discussions that you have while someone is getting their haircut. Uh, kind of um, wanted to do something a little bit different and bring another individual in on the whole creation of the podcast. I know I have people that I interview and bring them on as guests or let them tell their stories and everything like that, but I just felt like it would be cool to show that aspect of my life. I actually post a lot when I'm getting my hair cut. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's a cool thing. Maybe it's not cool and no one has told me, but y'all just need to know that your boy stay fresh. That's it. Um, kind of starting off on a somber note, uh, wanted to say rest in peace or rest in power to Stefan Clark. I kind of didn't really know how I wanted to approach that whole incident out in, uh, I think it's Sacramento, but, um, I wanted to take a moment of silence for his family, um, and just really show a little bit of love just because as a black man in America, man. You just trying to sometimes survive, live, thrive, um, and just be you. And and things happen. And I don't really know the background of the, the situation. All I know is that they said, Hey man, we thought we thought we saw a gun, but it was a cell phone. It's like, all right. Just tired of this, but I'm pretty sure we all are. All we can do is just keep living and uh don't forget. Don't forget their names. So uh, just uh, just uh, just give me a moment of silence, guys, and uh, we can get on with the show after that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I don't really know if this will be a platform for politics, but I mean, things are political and we got a lot of stuff going on. You know, we had the kids march on Washington about, you know, gun violence and legislation and everything like that. So I just figured I'd um, give you guys a little time, a little piece of me when it comes to that political aspect of things um, not not directly a victim of gun violence but I, a I've been affected by it and for me there's no way we can have the country in some there's no utopian or utopic idea of a country where we may not have guns I don't think that will work uh, I do 
feel that I am proud to be an American. I, I appreciate the freedoms that I have as a citizen of the United States of America. But I, I don't think we'll get to that point where there'll be no guns at all. But what I will say is this. Uh, we are moving into a time where it is becoming very hard to tell when someone is protecting themselves and then when someone is actually just inflicting violence and horror <laughs> on another person. So, hey, I just feel like there are some things we need to talk about. And what better time than now? When shit is hitting the fan, that's when change usually happens. All the bullshit is getting drunk out into the light. So, my next guest this week on It's Your World Podcast. You see how smooth that transition was? You see how? That's why It's Your World is the Lakeshore Drive of fucking podcast right there. Right there. Because we just went from gun violence, and now I'm about to introduce to you a comic, an improv artist, a comedic writer, and a representative of the LGBTQ community, KJ Whitehead. KJ has been featured in The Reader, which is a pretty big thing. That's a pretty big thing. For, for three or four years in, that's pretty big. And a few other places like he's also been featured on AWSM Radio. I have no idea what that means, but it's on his website, so I'm reading it to you. If you know what it is, please let me know what it is in the comments so we can go from there. But KJ, to me, is a very interesting person. One, because if you go to his social, if you go to there, see, I have to fix. See, that was the thing I was getting through. I was figuring that out when I was interviewing KJ. The pronouns. Um, To be as respectful as possible. I want to respect you. And I want to also make sure I recognize wherever you are or who you are. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm learning. I'm learning. And I thank KJ for having the patience with me. The patience. Um, But, yeah, KJ has been doing comedy for about three years or so, I want to say. We talked about that in the the episode, so you'll hear it there again. But KJ started off um, figuring out exactly what he wanted to do from a simple... Improv class at Second City, I want to say it was. If if that's not right, you'll you'll, you'll I'll be fact checked in the episode. But he started out there, came into a situation where it was just him, the only person of color in the entire class, and he was making the trek from Palos Hills, Illinois, all the way up to Second City, and taking class there. I had to first commend him for that because that's a fucking trip. That's a hike. That's a hype. So I wanted to really have KJ on to one, discuss his experience and how it felt to be thrusted into the forefront of a community. I think the reader recognized him as someone who's turning or taking over the game for the LGBTQ community in comedy. Now, I know that cliche with great power comes great responsibility. I don't know exactly if that applies to KJ in this instance, but what I do know is a lot of people are watching what they do um, with their career right now. I appreciate KJ for taking the time to sit down and talk to me. And like I said, being patient, you might hear his cat or excuse me, I'm fucking up again. You might hear their cat 
cool cat. I'm not really a cat person, but Moog wanted to get some uh, airtime. You might hear the cat purring in the background. So, um, yeah, man, I was just happy to sit down with them, sit down with them. Yeah, I'm fucking up. Sit down with them and let them share their story. It's interesting. And like I said, only because this person is being featured as one of the best comics out right now on the Chicago scene and doing it their way. Find KJ on social media at I am KJ Whitehead doing big things there. It's there on uh, Twitter and on Instagram with the same username. You can also go to KJ's website, imkjwhitehead.virb.com. Let me know what you guys think. Please subscribe and review. Please. I need reviews, people. I need reviews. I'm not going to ask no more. Okay, I'm not. I'm probably going to ask at the end of this episode. Just listen to the show. Okay, but, but before before you listen... The shows that KJ announces in this show have passed last week. I didn't. I messed up. So just don't go to those places. Go to KJ's website and look up the shows. My bad, y'all. Go ahead, listen. comedy and took over it seems like <laughs> when they talk when I think representation I think you dog and I'm pretty sure dog is not your pronouns nah. <laughs> one of your pronouns <laughs> but it's it's good to see someone be themselves and actually have the balls to get out get up on stage and really I just be you. I mean, like, I think that's something that anyone can can usually do. It's just like, I guess there's, I try to think of it as a no real difference between the stage and actual life. There, there mm-hmm. most definitely is, but you're putting yourself on display every single time you step out the door. Right. So, but, but is that not life, though, you know? We do that every day. Right. And we still have a sense of, in some cases, social anxiety when it comes to just being a regular person. Absolutely. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then to go on stage and be you, and I'm not going to talk for you, so I'd rather you tell us who you are and what you do on stage and in real life. <laughs> so, I guess I'll start with the, the regular thing and then mm-hmm. how I, yeah. So, I'm KJ Whitehead, born in Chicago, Illinois, 26 years old, and I am a stand-up comedian, Mm -hmm. and writer, and improviser as well. So, I've never seen you do improv, though. You you were at Second City there? Yeah, and I've been, 
uh, at Second City uh, since 2013 or 2014. Mm-hmm. So I started out as a volunteer, then eventually a student, an intern, a janitor, a host inside the 1959 kitchen and bar, wow. dishwasher as well, and then I eventually became a teacher. So you took the fast track, dude, like... Oh, there there was no fast track. Right, okay. None, <laughs> none at all. This was not fast. Mm-hmm. This took years. I've only been teaching for a year. So, yeah, there was a... It took a lot. And even just a few years of just working at Second City and trying to find my way, it's... How do I describe it? It feels like a long time. I mean, it... It, it is a long time, and it might feel that way, too, because, like I said, it is. But what was the main challenge of getting involved there? So how, I guess what I'm asking is, we talk about this journey. You say you've only been teaching for a year, but you've been at Second City for since 2013, you just said, right? I so 2013. A, a three-year hike. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a three-year hike. How did you find Second City? How, what was that journey like, just getting there? I could tell you exactly when I found it. I was, I believe I was either 18 or 19, and I was attending Rain Valley Community College in mm-hmm. Payless Hills, Illinois. Okay. It's like a far southwest right. suburb. Right. And I, I was at like a college fair, and then I saw uh, the booth for Columbia College. Mm-hmm. And then they had this thing called the Comedy Studies Program. Well, they, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, like, it was still a thing back then, but it's only recently that it became part of the curriculum and requirement for the certain comedy writing and performance major. Mm-hmm. And But back then, they had that. I heard that people like A.D. Bryant went through it. Um, let's see. I'm going to say... I, I'm. I'm blanking, but <laughs> A.D. Bryant was definitely one of them, and especially when I first started going to Columbia, A.D. Bryant actually made the cast of SNL in 2012. Right. So seeing that inspired me more, and I heard SNL was kind of that thing to get to. Okay. And for me, I'm, I was just coming from like musical theater. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to sing, I wanted to dance, but I also wanted to act. But there was something about it, like, when I was leaving high school, it seemed like it was not fun. It was more so competitive and everything was cutthroat. Like, it is like that in comedy, but the difference is, is that I actually had fun, even though it got cutthroat for me in Mm -hmm. comedy and musical theater, I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought it was what I wanted, but... It took all of high school and then like halfway through a community college to realize that that wasn't it. So, so when you say musical theater, what, what high school was that at? Dwight D. Eisenhower High School Eisenhower. in Blue Island, Illinois. Okay. So you went from there and had no idea that that was an option even to go into comedy at all. That no. Was, no idea. Like I, I thought maybe in... Every now and again, like when I was a kid, my grandma would like to have a little microphone set up mm-hmm. for if I wanted to try to tell jokes. Right. And like uh, all of them were terrible, as they should be. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm, when you're a kid, I'm sorry. Right. That makes sense. It's acceptable to have shitty jokes as a kid. <laughs> but it's like, 
I guess um, one of the things that really catapulted me and that I reflected on when I was 18 was um, back in 2005, there was a special that came out called Hot and Fluffy. Mm-hmm. And that was by Gabriel Iglesias. All right. So I heard that comedy had to be raw. You had to say certain words. Mm-hmm. You had to curse or whatnot. Or that's usually the comedy that I saw my parents laughing at. Right. Mostly my dad because mm-hmm. he would show me like Red Fox, Eddie okay. Murphy. But um, that special, it got a little dirty and there was a little swearing. But it was mostly narrative mm-hmm. and sound effects. And I did not know that stand-up comedy can come in that form. Mm. So I figured, why not at least try? Right. And then the more I dug into it, I came across this scene from SNL back in 1975, I think. It was Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase. Um, the word association a scene. Right where they went back and forth and eventually the words turned into racial slurs <laughs> uh, prior to uh, Chase using uh, white quote-unquote slurs and then the other way around right. and then got to the point where... And this is why I believe SNL is so watered down right now. I mean... We, but, but it's like <laughs> they use the word is when Chase used the word nigger Mm -hmm. and I was like how can you use that word in that scene and still end up with a black person's character on top and I'm like if that can happen there there's a way I can pull myself on top in comedy Mm -hmm. somehow not just in front of people who look like me but other people as well so that's basically where it started and my first goal, of course, was just to get to Columbia College. Right. So one thing that I realized is that I didn't know how many people I knew really went to Columbia. So like my, my little sister, <laughs> you know, I knew about that, my stepsister. And then like a lot of other kids that came up around the same time, that 2000, when did you graduate high school? Uh, 2010. 2010. I was 07. So a lot of kids took that route tour entertainment and different things like the communications and stuff but um what was that experience like like it's so many different reviews on it <laughs> like at columbia college yeah and um, it is you you could definitely have mixed experiences and mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have complained that they haven't they didn't get their money's worth here's the thing when it came to columbia and i learned this i didn't really learn this until after i graduated that you do get what you put yeah, into yeah. it. And that is, it is like an unorthodox kind of school. It is pretty laid back. And quite a few people that probably shouldn't smoke pot on the job probably do smoke <laughs> pot on the job. But the thing is, they have connections and resources that hardly any other country in the school and any other school in the country has mm-hmm. there's a lot that's a lot to capitalize on and they actually help you start your career i created my website when i was still in college wow i created and came up with a domain and designed my my mm-hmm. website on my own and that's one big thing that i like i wouldn't have been able to do that if i i hadn't gone to college 
So you were doing stand-up? I was doing stand-up. And going to college. And going to college. And hadn't found your way to Second City yet. Not quite. I was there for comedy studies Mm -hmm. because I was part of the curriculum Mm -hmm. in my senior year. But, like, the goal was how do I continue my training here and getting seen here after this is over? Because that's only one semester. And basically, I kept in contact, or I at least tried to keep in contact with the instructors. One of the instructors I kept in contact with was Jen Ellison. Mm Mm-hmm. Which she, uh, at the time, uh, she was known for directing the ETC review, Apes of Wrath, which to this day is still one of my favorite Second City shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, she saw that I felt pretty alone in the class because one thing was that out of 20, there were two cohorts in comedy studies the year I attended, which was fall 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, there were two cohorts both of them were made up of 11 or 10 people out of both of them I was the only person of color Wow! not just the only black person but the only person of color and she saw that no one wanted to write for me no one wanted to write for me they all knew each other and I had to come up with my own thing by myself Mm -hmm. so she recommended that I started going to open mics and she recommended um, what used to be the chaser at comedy sports. Mm-hmm. And that was on Monday nights. And I remember the first time I attended, I was still living in um, out of Illinois. Okay. I was commuting two and a half hours to three hours from there to get to Old Town or uh, the South Loop, right. and 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 basically, I got there. I signed up. That was nine o'clock. I didn't get up until one in the morning. <laughs> that just goes to show, like how little I knew about open mics. I signed yeah, no, up yeah, no. right before it started, and they did not turn away anyone. That was a list. Of almost 50 people. Wow. They did not turn away one person. And I still had class the next day. So, but that was one experience. And then I just, I guess I went from there. I just kept doing it eventually. And it took me a year and a half before I actually made people laugh on stage. Wow. So a year, but that's that's funny though because the reason why I wanted to have you on, and I started to show off with the representation. So one, African American male, mm-hmm. you no know, stand up comedy, which mm-hmm. we I know we have some famous comics out there and everything, but it's not a lot of black folk in right, comedy right. period. <laughs> and then even go to say, not just the open mic and stand up, but like improv. It's not a lot of black people in improv. No, no, and. You know, you go from, like you just said, feeling lonely in the class or alone in the class as being one of those people. And then, what, two years later, I turned around. I, I checked out some articles on you saying how you represented, like, just turning, <laughs> like, turning the scene on its head with, like, the queer uh, gender type of, like, I I don't know what it is, so I'm not going to speak on it, but it's just like... I mean, like, I can explain it to the best of my right. ability. And, that's what, <laughs> and, like, that's the reason why I wanted to have KJ on. I have to interview you because you're an interesting person. 
one because of the journey because if you did that one open mic i can only imagine how many other long open mic nights you have we had to sit and wait till somebody they call mm-hmm. your name and get on stage and then you gotta trudge all the way back home mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a that's an hour trip in itself talking from the north side all the way back to alcif or like Dude, because yeah. I know it. Especially like late at night, right. it is like more than double the time. <laughs> I could not imagine it, bro. Because I, I remember taking my course at Second City. This is cool, but damn, like 7 to 10, take your improv class, or I did stand up too. It was like, are you going to be able to do this every Thursday? Is You know, you need to get in bed <laughs> the, the night before. And even then, you still be tired because you still go to work, then you go to class. Then you do open mics, through, open mics throughout the week. Like, you know, what is it like? What was it like looking back on it now from where you were in that course to what you've become today in the comedy scene? Hmm. Or maybe I'm just pumping you up a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's just looking, looking back, it's a lot of times, and this is, not just an artist thing. This is just me and my mental state and because I do suffer from mental illness as well. Mm. It feels like I haven't progressed much. Mm. It, it feels like it's just been one obstacle after another and the success I've made was just, just a blip. But looking back, I am proud of some of the experiences I had to go through to get to where I am now because I have changed things Mm -hmm. and I have found my voice and now it's like I don't have to worry about not having a show the next month. I would like as many shows as I can but it's like I have a show at least a show every month and looking back when no one would accept me Mm. I have very little words other than the fact that I had to work at it, and I still have to work at it. It just, my mind is still blown. Because there was a lot that went into it. I had so many times where I just sat down, and I was writing, and I threw my pen down. I threw everything out. It's just, I'm amazed at myself of what I actually overcame. Because not only was I a black person in front of mostly white audiences, I had to come out as a queer black person in front of mostly white audiences. Then I had to come out as a queer trans person, black person in front of a mostly white audience. And I'm like, how did I... How did I get past all of this? And the, I guess the, the answer I could come to is that I didn't get past any of it. Well, I mean, I'm still in it. I, f- I feel like when you are trying to start anything, when you're doing it on your own, like you said, with stand-up or whatever, you're still looking for your audience, one. Right. And that's, that's if you gay, straight, whatever trans you still need you can have all the jokes you want you can have all the material you can put all the commitment in the writer every single day you are still a person looking for your audience so liken that to say a tv show you can put a tv show up but 
if people don't like the show or there's no audience for that show, you won't have a fucking show. Right. So uh, I feel like you, you, you're always going to be looking for that audience. You're always going to be, like you said, in some kind of a rift between feeling the success, feeling the change and everything like that and still not thinking you did enough. And that, that just comes with it. That can be life, you know. Uh, but can you take me through that whole... Like, what was your mindset at that point? After you said you get exhausted, like, what kept you going? Like, what inspired you to continue to keep going? Honestly, I can't tell you what inspired me. Like, and a lot of people have those different things, like, those things that happen that mm-hmm. are, that are, like, moments. they remember. Those moments. Yeah, that they remember that it kept them going or whatnot or some support, like, from family I have family. They were supportive. They didn't keep me. They didn't keep me going. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with that. It's not like they were bad people. It's just I was. What I found was that, because my journey back, if I would just stay downtown for too long after class, mm-hmm. my journey back to, where I lived with my mom, was that. I had to get on the Orange Line, take it from Roosevelt to uh, Pulaski, mm-hmm. and then take uh, the Pulaski bus, which was, I believe, the 115, from 51st and Pulaski all the way to 81st and Pulaski. And then... So you had to I, go to train the bus. <laughs> and then I'd be lucky if I were to catch, like, maybe in the... 95th bus, right. 95th CTA bus, but if I didn't, I would have to walk from 81st to 123rd in Pulaski. Get out of here, man. I commend you just and, for the walk. <laughs> like, like, and I couldn't take a cab. I didn't have that much money. Right. I had a job, but I didn't have that much money. And I, and then I'd be right there on the corner with my mom. And I guess mentioning all that is that I didn't want to have to do that walk. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to travel that distance. Mm-hmm. But I knew some somehow I had to get home. Right. I had to get there. I had to get home. And I guess that's how I felt comedy was for me. At some point, I have, like, through all the crap that I have to deal with, I have to get to that point right. where I do succeed. I have to get to that through all the crap, even if it ends up failing anyway, I have to get to that point where the show happens. And you know it's enough. Is it? Is it ever going to be enough if the show happens? Would it, if it doesn't, if it does? Um, I mean, it's never enough. Mm. It, it never will be. I will never be satisfied. Because if I am, my next show will probably be my last. That was... And, that's no, real. <laughs> I, I have to keep going. Like, you know, I have a successful show. Great. What's what's happening with the next one? Right. What's going on later on this week? Right. What other mic can I get on? And it's just... And I try to keep it on me mm-hmm. as much as I can because I would tell you, I spend a lot of time comparing myself to others. And that's <laughs> one of the things that you will be told time and time again, don't do, right. but I do it all the time. We did talk about that once before. <laughs> I feel like it's 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 it's... What scares me is when people say that, and then I'll be like, man, I don't know if I felt like that, if I feel like that. 
and you can get into arguments with people. I remember talking to comics like, yeah, I, I know I got a joke that's better than this guy's joke. And I'm like, no, we're all going to be really talking about some of the same shit. Like, right. so <laughs> why not work on making what you came up with exactly. the best? Exactly. That's why. Man, I'm I'm gonna start I'm gonna start sounding old and I'm not, but it's like I go I go to open mics and I'm like, Why are you guys comparing yourselves to each other? Why and first off, why are you saying the same stuff the last guy just said before right. you? And secondly, it's like what makes you you? Find mm-hmm. that out. That's gonna help that's gonna take you a long way. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that then you're gonna be here wondering the same thing over and over again for a while. But that idea also the comparison thing is, I think I take it as a challenge, like you said, when you had a mic and somebody's talking about some material, using some material that you were probably going to go into. I enjoy being able to be like, okay, he did that? All right, I got to come up. What, what else can I come up with? You know what I'm saying? Man? I, don't, I don't know, but how does that happen with you? Or are you just, do you find yourself really finding different avenues of comedy? Do you find different material than other people? Or since we're talking about the comparison thing, you know, what what style of comedy and what type of comedy are you doing? I mean, if we're talking styles and genres, I'll start there. Um, I was mostly a narrative comic, mm-hmm. and I started out from my inspiration in the beginning, Gabriel Iglesias, because right. he's mostly narrative. He does a lot of stories on his family and touring and stuff like that. But I got into some observation and within the last couple of years, one liners. Mm-hmm. Because I like how I like how tough they are to write. Man, what? And <laughs> and then but like I also like that once you're in a mindset of writing them, it's hard to stop. Okay. And you keep going and going and going. And I think that's awesome. But like going to open mics, it's like I have this similar feeling that if I'm watching uh, stand up mm-hmm. like on Netflix and whatnot, and one of my favorite comics ends up like saying a joke that's similar to mine right. like I was watching Gina Yashire earlier this morning mm-hmm. uh, she has a half hour on the stand ups on Netflix mm-hmm. and we're both black but we're both queer and I'm like this can go south for me real quick. Whoa. <laughs> like, so, she can have everything that, that I already said. But right. it's like, I've. that's the thing with me. Like, I do come across similar things, especially when it comes to race, mm-hmm. uh, my race material. But uh, to my knowledge, and you can help me out too, are, they, uh, are there any other black, transgender, polyamorous comedians? <sighs> In, in no. Chicago? No. <laughs> you were very specific, sir. Yeah. It, <laughs> Exclusive. It, it, exactly. So it's like, that's my experience. Like, no one can, no one can take that from me. Right. That's me. And that is how I found, like, because when Richard Pryor was doing his thing, no one could take Richard Pryor's material. You got to come up with something, something that no one else can take from you. Right. And if they do take it, people will be like, oh, it's just like this kind of thing. Like, I want people to say that about me. And, like, that's why that's why I want it to be me. I think that's the goal in stand-up is to be yourself. When I was trying stand-up and then I would go around the city and every now and again someone on the CTA or 
would like strike a conversation with me. I tell them I'm doing stand up and they were like, Oh, you just like Eddie Murphy or Bernie Mac <laughs> and I'm right. like, No, I just want to be KJ. Right. Like whatever that is. And and I think that's the hardest part, dude. Uh I remember watching it was like a sit down with like Seinfeld, Louis C. K., Chris Rock and Talking all Talking Funny, Ricky Gervais as well. Right. Don't be those guys. Aspire to be one of those guys, if that makes sense. So when I what what I interpret that as is when you're coming up with your material and everything as a comic or a comedian, you are aiming to be one of the people someone having have in mind when they're comparing another comic to someone. Right. You know, if that makes sense. So you want to be the guy that they call to be on, on some of those shows like that. You want to be the person that they're like, oh well. You do stand-up comedy? Okay, you like Jordan Brown. Uh, oh, you want to stand-up? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, oh, just fuck it. Like Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the easiest way I could come up with the comparison. Is like, that's that's the that's the way that I would like to do my style of comedy. And somewhat similar to the same thing. You know, just be yourself. Be KJ, you know. But um, influences. Music, I'm t- not just other comics, you know, movies. You already yeah. said you're into the comics and all this, well, right. comic books and things like that, so. I guess as far as music, um, I have quite the, what some of the listeners may call white people music. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of that. I actually get my inspiration for some of the ways I dress on stage from artists that I listen to. Mm-hmm. And I listen to artists like uh, William Control. Um, I'm a huge anti-flag fan. And I'm trying to think what else. Coheed and Cambria. And these are artists that found their own sound that no one else can really match. Right. And... That's why I like about him. Like, William Control, he had his own take on what punk music was. Mm -hmm. He took it and made it into a band. And then he also was electronic electronic, um, music person. He also came out with his own rec label. And he is very, very supportive when it comes to the sex-positive environment and BDSM. And then you have Coheed and Cambria, which their lead vocalist looks like a very burly man. (laughs) And he is, but he has one of the highest male rock voices you can ever hear modern day rock. Mm -hmm. And Anti-Flag is one of the most outspoken punk bands when it comes to anti-Trump, anti-racism, homophobia, anything. And... I get my inspirations from them, one, in how I dress, two, and my intensity, and three, it's just not taking anyone else's crap and just doing what I feel I should be doing. Right. And that also includes stepping out, and even if I stand alone, just standing there and voicing my opinion right. and voicing what I feel is right. And part of that, of course, like, I've been... Like, at first, I thought I wasn't going to get too political with my material, but just listening to the music I did, I eventually became that way. So, it's like, because it's forced me to care about something. Right. 
I feel like as comics, we have to... We are stuck in a, 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 a rift between caring and not caring. <laughs> because we have to identify with what affects us. And then we're commentating or giving commentary on shit that doesn't affect us. But in some cases, like you just said, it, it appeals to what we feel is right as individuals. So it is still our opinion, but it's a sense of caring but not caring at the same time, if that makes sense. It, it is. Like, um, I I did a sit-in for a Q&A with Dimitri Martin mm-hmm. uh, because he had this film called Dean that came out. And then my the artistic director of Second City, also my boss, uh, Matt Hofty, interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said... <laughs> that I thought was really a great takeaway from it all was that he said, it took me not seeking other people's approval just to make a career out of seeking other people's approval. Wow. Yeah, it's a a contradiction. And I think that's one of the things that I enjoy about (laughs) being a comic or pursuing comedy, even with podcasting. It's just being able to sit down and talk to different people and hear their points of views, mm-hmm. getting an idea of um, who these individuals are, where they're from, and allowing it to be a platform to help people, you know, get publicity. Right. And like you know, like you just said, you're gonna have shows coming up soon and everything like that. Um, toward the end of the show, we'll definitely let you plug that stuff. But yeah, so you, you are a walking contradiction in a way when you're on stage. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, but how, do you enjoy that aspect of it? Does it tear at you a little bit, or is it, you know? I mean, I enjoy the fact that it bugs me. <laughs> like because, like it's just so. It's like it's never gonna get to a place where it's as it's finalized. Like it could be categorized, or it's something that's clear. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever is. If that's the fact, then I, if that was the fact and like I would be either a man or a woman clearly mm. I am not um, but my my thing is it's just I'm okay with being uncomfortable mm. uh, with with that it's because one I dealt with that firsthand when I was growing up and I'm like okay it's either this or that right. and because also my father was in that same mindset too and that's what was uh, what was brought and taught down to me and it's like I learned that wasn't there's a lot of gray areas in there and I have to learn to be comfortable with not knowing and is that in terms of the, so that can and this is the thing about a comedy you start breaking everything down to the point where it's like is that just comedy is that gender fluidity is that sexuality is that you know is uh, that, f- that that is absolutely everything <laughs> That is everything. In comedy, I have a hard time doing it in comedy, but when I can get to that point, it works. When it comes to gender identity, my sexuality, and whatnot, it's a lot of times you don't know. And it's like what people people are often told, like, you got to figure this out. It's right. like this some rush. Stuff you, this, just, you can't figure some shit out. Sometimes. Right. It's this unnecessary urge to figure things out, but like, think about the like, give or take the seventy or eighty years you put on this planet. Mm-hmm. Like you have all this time, 
why be so stuck on either being this or that? Just have fun. Don't limit yourself to what to expectations that are set, you know, by someone else, else. and not you. Yeah. And and I really do. I enjoy your material, dude. But well, well, why not? See, I'm learning, <laughs> right? I'm fucking up. So and and uh. that's the cool part. I'm inquisitive about finding out who the individual is that I'm usually talking to. Not only that, but I'm also very eager to figure out more so how that change happened for you. So that change from up and coming to then you just push to the forefront. (laughs) To me, it seems that way. Like You just push to the forefront of this culture in a way or you know you are seen as one of the people that are changing the game when it comes to queer comedy if that's what we want to call it because I don't know what to go you know and and when you talk about having your own expectations and your originality like you are laying the foundation for people after you how does that make you feel and and do you feel the sense of responsibility for that I've uh, responsibility makes me nervous (laughs) (laughs) But if I'm laying that down, good. That's exactly what I've been wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not the only like black queer person who's like wanted to go into something different, who's wanted to do a certain art form or stand out in, in this way. I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And I want, especially if I'm ever lucky enough to have children, to create something to create this so that there is a future for us like there already is it's just what is it going to be mm-hmm. and especially in the times that we are in right now under the administration i'm scared because mm-hmm. i never in my lifetime i never thought i'd live in something like this what but is this though is it is it is it not normal it's not abnormal but it's still normal at the same right, time. Right, exa- exactly. But it's like this, as much as stressful as this can be, it's also a great thing, mm-hmm. I feel. It's a great thing that this has brought about some of the most explosive art mm-hmm. that we could think of. Some of the biggest middle fingers to hatred <laughs> and bigotry. And I want to be a part of that. Right. I want to lay that down. Like the biggest thing I talked about was like having a place, just like Second City is what it is for its general audiences. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to have a place for people like me mm-hmm. and who are not like me, who are different. Right. And I want to have that in not just Chicago, but I want to bring it to New York. I want to bring it to L.A., Canada, even just down south. And I just, there's a lot of responsibility. And I I can't tell you, I I can't tell you how I'm going to do it. I just know that I want to and I'm willing to put in the work to do that. So that's one of the goals of the end game, per se. To get to that point where you have your own either organization where you're giving a place where people 
to come and express themselves no matter what, who, or where they where they are in life and things like that. And and to be able to make money, make money doing stand up. Okay, like, I was asking like, that, what's, what's the will, goal with comedy though? Like, I want to use my comedy. Like, hopefully that gets me to that success. But it's like once I once I have that money, mm-hmm. and I will have that money. I'm gonna say that now, right. and it's like it doesn't seem likely, but it's I'm gonna say I will have that money once I do. Mm-hmm. Not only will I still be making that money. But, like, I would want some of my heroes to do. It's like, give back. Use your new privilege to to give back. And that's, like, that's what I have a problem with some of the people or institutions that have all of what they have. It's like, they want to be progressive. They want to be diverse. They're not willing to let go what gives them the privilege to do what they want to do. And part of that is their money. They have plenty of it. Why don't you extend that money to making classes and different shows more affordable for people on the South Side? Like, we have to come up here Mm -hmm. in front of all these white people and prove that we matter. (laughs) And then, like, we have to deal with that and the costs of being part of the comedy community, come on. You gotta help us out. <laughs> Give us a way in. Um and I think we we talked about this once before too, you know, maybe having something like going into schools, uh, and teaching that like you said when you saw that you went to that college fair. I had no idea that comedy was a damn major or was a, was a study I could get into. <laughs> you know, a lot of kids down on the South Side don't know that. I know I, I knew about I was involved in athletics, and I did do chorus and stuff like that on a whim, you know. Not even know if I like it. Like, just take an extra class and see if you like it to graduate. Oh, okay, cool. Mm. This is dope, you know. And like you said, with theater and school, a lot of those programs aren't in the schools anymore. A lot of those are cut. And it would be awesome if outside sources could come in and just be like, hey, man, we're just going to offer a seminar and see who shows up. You know, I don't know if you watch The Shy. Uh, that TV I'm, show. I don't have it uh, as part of my cable. I wish I did. Right. But um, yeah. there's a one episode where like the main character, the kid goes to like try out for a play or something like that. You know, like just having that availability to be a part of something like that. And if you took that and you put it in the form of say stand up or just even like poetry and things like that, the arts are a way for us to get through this abnormal normal time that we're in. <laughs> so right. I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, but to kind of wrap everything up here, I usually ask uh, most of my features or co-hosts right. <laughs> <laughs> um, where they are on the Kanye West confidence level. On the Kanye West confidence level? Where are where they are on the Kanye West confidence level. And it's what like, that means... Is that a scale? I, I created the scale on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my own. It was actually Irene Tinoco. She's actually at Second City, too. So you might have seen her around. <laughs> but um, I interviewed her, and we came up with this scale. And it, and it goes from college dropout, the album, to Life of Pablo. So okay. you rate yourself up. According to the album, <laughs> that guy so like college dropout being the worst, or oh, uh, just being like the that was his first album, so that oh, was okay. his 
That was that's the first level of confidence that you had, okay. which is pretty big because college dropout did numbers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can go from college dropout, uh, graduation, uh, late registration, all the way up. So, all right. So, I'm not familiar with Kanye West and his albums, but um, I will I will be honest and. Well, like, I've been honest this entire time. But, right, I, would ho- I hope so. Right. <laughs> but I will be blunt here and just let everyone who will be listening let you know, I'm at college dropout. <laughs> wow. Like. That makes I, sense. <laughs> I deal with a lot of my own insecurities as and as far as, like, and also mental illness, and I'm not medicated. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, it's hard, like, sometimes I even look back and I'm wondering if everything, if every day I'm going to be struggling. Mm. And everyone goes, a lot of people go through this. It's tough. It's life. It is. It is life. And I guess I always want to be. The thing about it for me is just I always want to be I always want to be humble humble mm-hmm. and I want to be nice, I want to be considerate and I hope and I always want to stay hoping that it's all gonna pay off. Right. At some point and even if it doesn't, at least I did this for my own sake, that I was a decent person and I made someone else's day better, hopefully. Right. But I'm still at this confidence level, this very low yet vulnerable place where I'm willing to say, hey, um, I'm getting up here. I'm going to do what I got. But also in truth, and sometimes it won't even show on stage. But I am a very sad and like I beat myself up a lot in my head and Mm. just... That's just who I am. That's how how I've become. But it's just, I guess my my one thing as far as being on Kanye West level, it's just always, no matter how will you feel, like even at college dropout, um, always perform and give as much as you can to where you're at that higher level. Right. Because if... And because eventually, even if you're old and gray, like with Larry David taking him that long mm-hmm. to finally make it, eventually you will come across some success. It may not be all that you wanted at the time, right. but it'll be something that will definitely, you could be proud of right. and you can at least be okay with and strive to do better with. And I think that's just, I think that's what I can say about that. Well, I was gonna ask you <laughs> three things you tell a young creative starting out, but that was deep enough, right there <laughs> for me, man. Oh, like I can do that too. There's okay, more. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, one, be nice. Be nice. Be nice. A lot of people feel like they have to be, you know, like buttholes to like get what they want, and in some cases. Yeah, that will happen, but know how to be nice and not to be ran over mm-hmm. at the same time. Two, 
never give up. Mm-hmm. Never give up on what you want to do. Never give up on the people who love you and you hope that they never give up on you either. Right. And on top of that, do not give up on yourself. Mm-hmm. Because that's where you... Like, you may give up on other people, but if you give up on yourself, you've given up on everything. Okay. And number three, try to laugh every day. Like, Bobby V, laugh, cry. Like, laugh, yeah, feel smile something. Every day. There's nothing wrong with having emotion. Like, that's the thing. Like, I have no front when I'm on stage. Like, I may seem confident or whatnot, but if I feel something, if I feel something on stage and I'm laughing or I'm crying or I'm getting, I'm getting emotional, I'm going to allow myself to feel that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, especially being born like black men mm-hmm. and what we're taught masculinity is and what's meant to be a man. is like I stopped putting my focus on being a man and just focused on being a good human being. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that is essential for human beings is to feel something right. and to like, like all in all, like don't force it, but when you do feel something, know that it's okay to feel it. Right. It's okay to react to it. Like it's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do. It's okay to be honest with, with whatever you're feeling. Right. Because, keeping that to yourself, and I know firsthand because I still do it now. Keeping that to yourself only leads to the utmost destruction in anyone's life. True. Well, I did not expect it to get that deep, but <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, um, KJ, for coming on the show. I got one last thing to ask you. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> I kind of stole this from Arian Foster. I do this every week. Shout out to you, Arian. He's got a great podcast. Check it out, guys. But I ask all my guests to request that Mr. Kanye West come on the podcast and I'd be allowed to interview him. <laughs> uh, you, all right. All right. Kanye, Jesus, <laughs> like, come back to Chicago. Chicago give right. the fam a break. <laughs> Get on Jordan's podcast. Well, I'll come and visit, man. Just to, uh, yeah. just, I'll travel just like, to do, like, an interview with like, you, bro. Even better, man. He, he will come to you. <laughs> Like you can hold little West in your arms. <laughs> we can just talk, talk it out, man. You can refer to yourself in the third, third person, person the entire time. As many time, times as you want and to. And we will go <laughs> Again, thanks, KJ. I appreciate it. You want to plug any shows in your social media, dude? Um, yeah, on um, social media is I am at I am KJ Whitehead. Website I am KJ Whitehead.net, or you can Google search KJ Whitehead. Shows coming up on uh, Monday, uh, Monday, 8.30 p.m. I will be at the I.O. Chicago mm-hmm. and Chris Farley cap um, for the Sex Positive show with Ashley Victoria. And I'm hosting Junk Drawer again um, the day after that. And that's, yeah, that's on Tuesday. That's the All POC show at the Playground Theater. And also in April, April 1st, I will be at Transistor Chicago for the Kiki. Then on April 6th, I will be at No Coast Comedy Show in the Blackout Cabaret at Second City. And 
I have a bunch more dates. I'm actually booked up to May, so uh, feel He's free. bragging over here. Just go to the damn website, yeah, people. Go to okay. the website, <laughs> imkgwhitehead.net, or just Google search my name. So thank you so much, Jordan. All right. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of HR World Podcast, people. Um, again, please subscribe and review. Subscribe and review. Make sure you also check out KJ's website, imkjwhitehead.net, or the URL is imkjwhitehead.virb.com. Uh, also, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have social media, go and like the page. Just go and like it. If you follow the page, cool. Please, by all means. And if you listen on SoundCloud, like it, favorite it. If you listen on iTunes, review it, subscribe. That way you can get all the new information you need. And you will get the new episodes that I upload each week right here. It's your world podcast. Oh, and also, don't forget, we still have a sponsor. ShopSMZ.com. Go check it out. Spring is coming. Spring is coming. I couldn't make that as daunting as the Game of Thrones. Winter is coming, but spring, I feel like spring is coming. You would be happier about that. I don't fucking know. But, um, yeah, man, thanks for checking out the show. Talk to you later.